Hello. Oh, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm very, very well. I'm ready to professionally podcast. <laughs> Is there any other kind? Oh, rather. <laughs> I changed my setup again. What'd you do? I have more and more setup. I, 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 changing everything. Everything's changing. You got a cold? No, no. Do I sound sick? No, you sound great. You sound awesome. Well, do I, do I sound, I don't know. Do I sound different? No, you sound strong, like really mm. big. Strong like bull. Strong like ox. Not my bird. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Iron Man 2 at some point. All right, I should let's sound, do it. I should sound better. I don't know if I'm sending enough signal. Uh, so I'm on the new Tascam, the two, the two by two. Mm-hmm. But you know what I've added to my mix? Mm. I added a cloud lifter. Oh, yeah. Do you think that's doing anything? This is not a ribbon mic. It's not a ribbon mic, <laughs> but I, I'm lifting my signal with the cloud. Yeah, using the clouds. The clouds everywhere. Uh, the oh, cloud lifter is a nice. It's a nice way to boost your signal without additional equipment. I I know a lot of people who use them and like them. I don't use them, but I've got a a different kind of setup. But I think they're nice. Okay, well, let, uh, hang on. Let me change my mix a little here. Uh, uh, boost, yeah. boost. Not my bird. Um. <laughs> so I knew. I thought I needed some some signal lift. I'm still struggling with the channel problem. Uh, I'm working on that. I still only get left channel recorded when I'm recording. I got to fix that. But so when now I'm running this, uh, this because people love to hear how podcasts are made. Yes. How are they yes. made? Tell me. Well, first, mommy and daddy love each other very much initially. <laughs> yeah. Daddy, da- daddy has a sure. Yeah, mom, yeah, he does. Mom, mommy has a balanced input. <laughs> Called an XLR. <laughs> um, wow. So what I've done now. What has I've got, happened to the show? I uh, got the, uh, uh, I'm trying the SM7B again. I run that through the cloud lifter to bring up my signal a little bit. The you, by lifter, the way, you sound, at my opinion. Yes. You sound best on the Shure SM7 and whatever you're lifting is making you sound even a little bit better. But I, I much prefer you this way than the other. What, thank you. Uh, I think I li- still like the Rode Podcaster. I know it's not fashionable to like the Rode Podcaster anymore. I think if you just need a go-to mic, it's good. It does. I don't. I don't know Jack Dookie about mics, but I, I even to my dead ears, it's very midi. Yes. Oh yeah. The, the road podcaster. So I'm. I'm gonna give this a throw. I'm trying some other things. I might rehook my. Uh, well, let me get, get finished this. So I got the S, SM7B right. Yep. Yeah. Sure. That's going in the cloud lifter, which purports to add some decibels of signal. Yes. It, 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 it loudifies it. Quiet. It's, it's, quiet. The quiet gain. Clean. The gain. quiet gain. Ninety-eight point five FM. The quiet gain. Oh, we finally got a throwback hip hop station in San Francisco too. Well, let's come back to that. Um, so then I do that, and then I go to do that into this Tascam uh, US two by two, which I'm pretty happy with. Seems good. Uh, and then so the the other thing, so the, so I like the way it sounds. We'll see. I got to still you know monkey with the levels. But the other thing is, I've got this old back when I thought I was going to record music. I got a PreSonus Tube Pre. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Well. Is there any sense in me using that? That, that? that warmifies the sound, doesn't it? In theory, a tube amp would warm any sound. It's certainly something you could try. My problem with those is that a lot of the time, if you have a mic that is a gain-hungry mic like the Shure SM7, like the Heil PR40, like the uh, Telefunken M82 or mm. RE20, that you need a lot of gain and that by the time you get up into the gain range that you need to power and drive one of those mics well, that that particular preamp might get a little noisy 
But if you're uh-huh. using it in conjunction with the cloud lifter, then, you know, is it, is it overkill for what you're doing? I don't know. Will it sound good? Try it, man. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is my level all right? Sounds so good. Strong. Mm. Mm, not my board. <laughs> um, my family was out of town for the weekend, which means we were in a hotel room, which means we watched television. Oh. And uh, Iron Man 2 came on. We watched it. Have you not seen it before? No, I've seen it many times. I think I, I, I can never tell what I'm a contrarian about. Like, like most people who like Marvel comics movies, right. I think Iron, the first Iron Man movie is outstanding. I think it's, it's it, we've talked about this before, it's improbably good. There's no reason, we've talked about this at length before, there's no reason that Iron Man 1 should be as good as it is. It's really awfully good. It is very good. It's one of the all-time great superhero films. I think it's got to be kind of up there with the, the Dark Knight Oh, in yeah. terms of like, wow, this really reminds us how good these could be. Because you go back and you watch the pre-Iron Man Marvel movies and even something as good as like X2. Yes. Yeah. It, it's a different, you, you have to How have much very, of that though, Merlin, how much of that is just Robert Downey Jr. kicking ass? That's a very good question. You know? Um, well, I think first of all, we, again, forgive me if you've heard this before, but we've, I think our expectations were low because we're thinking Robert Downey, really? Like he's uninsurable. Like, how is this going to work? He was fantastic. But I also think, what's his name? Uh, John, what's his name? Uh, John, uh, you know, the guy with the answering machine message who directed it. Isn't that John? Not John Hamm. Yeah, no, gosh, you're going to throw me for a loop here. John 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 Favreau. 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 Singular. You wouldn't add an X if it were plural. Yeah, he's he's great in it, in a role that he's not on screen He directed it. He directed it. Yeah, he directed it. So why not put himself in it? Yeah. That's what I'm going to, the first movie I direct, I'm in the whole thing. I mean, every like scene. He, it looks like he put on a bucker set by Iron Man 3. <laughs> yeah, that's, think... a, that's a hell of a flashback. It's before he got on Atkins. <laughs> 1999. <laughs> also, I'd like, to, I'd like to correct myself to my daughter the other day. I referred to the guy who started AIM as Emile Zola. That is not correct. He was a novelist. Is it Armin, Armin Zola? Is that his name? The guy Pierce, the guy from Melee Confidential? He plays uh, Modoc. Oh, I don't Modoc. Yeah. Did you see Iron Man 3? Yeah, but I don't, I don't remember. Isn't he MODOK? MODOK. Well, isn't he what becomes MODOK? Oh, right. He's the guy who started AIM. Yeah, I don't know. See, I'm not big on MODOK. My kid will ask me about MODOK once every week or two, and I'm like, I, I don't really know. I think MODOK is popular with kids because he has guns and a funny voice, and he's featured in a lot of the cartoons, and MODOK, MODOK is fun. And it's fun to watch MODOK get his butt kicked. That's always fun. Because, you know, Modok's, Modok's one of those, like, he's not even like a Doc Ock. He's like, but he's one of those annoying villains that you like to see get his comeuppance. Yeah. He's always forging alliances and that backfires on him. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that's Iron a Man theme. One. That is a theme, though, with the best or potentially the best Marvel supervillains. They fall into that same pattern over and over and over again. You see it with Doc Ock. You see it with Modok. You see it. Again and again, time and time if again. You have Doc, if you have Doc in your name, you're going to get your comeuppance. This is, <laughs> this is why Magneto is such an unusual character. Or the Joker. And Doctor Another Doom. great Marvel villain. Yeah, one of the best Marvel villains. See the Joker. Yeah. Oh boy, I got a lot to talk about. I didn't realize this. I, I got up early and had a bunch of coffee. I love Just, that. That's the best. You do the best shows when you do the coffee and then you prepare God, and you have you. your note cards. Oh, thank you. I've also got... Yeah, yeah, I wrote down the notebook. I started a new page for today. I write, I'm using a notebook again. I got Tuesday, October 13th, and I got one thing on the, on the page that says back to work. That's it. Know, I'm not sure what that means. It's your whole day. 
Um, uh, we can come back to the killing joke. We should talk about that because uh, that's interesting. All right. There's rumors that, that, that there might be a, a killing joke-ish movie. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you think they would think change that's... some things? Oh, boy, I hope so. Yeah. Here, here's my feeling on this is that I have a feeling, you know about our Iron Man 3 experience where like a dingling, I took my, what, five-year-old daughter to see Iron Man 3 uh, in super duper schmooper, like the $30 ticket IMAX, because it was at the height of our, our comic madness. Yeah. And we barely made it through the previews. It was so, it was loud to me and oh. I can't hear. It was so, have you gone to one of these super schmooper duper IMAX, like 3D sound giant ones? Once and I, really I did not loud. like it. I didn't like it. I, I, I don't know what the problem is. Maybe it's just so you don't hear people talking. I don't know. Here's my feeling on this. I think that history, there's a good chance that history will remember Iron Man 2 better than the initial like contemporary reviews. Because the conventional wisdom was, Meh, it's a letdown. Like, it's not a good sequel. I think it's a great movie. First of all, can I just say, kick-ass Pepper Potts mm-hmm. and totally kick-ass uh, uh, Introduction of Black Widow. All right, remind remind me of the about this movie a little bit because it's been a while since I saw the second one. The third one, I didn't I didn't enjoy. The first one was amazing, and I remember that's the first no, one. The, clearly. the spoilers. That's no Mandarin. That's no Mandarin. Oh right, yeah. It's they, they did a, they did a little switcheroo on us. Um, Iron Man two things are falling apart. Pepper takes over the company. Tony's drinking mm-hmm. as he should be, right? Mm-hmm. And and things get a little crazy, and he's trying to figure out. He's got to figure out how to make a make a new heart. A new heart. Work. Okay, that yes, yes, I remember that. And one. so it's got it's got uh, it's got Roger from Mad Men as his dad. Remember in the yes, flashbacks, little Tony, little, little, little Tony in the video, uh-huh. and and it's all there. It's all there on that Disney World like floor plan that he's got. Ah, I got it. Okay, and he's then, fighting. Uh, who's who's the big enemy in that one? Not my bird. It's uh, it's uh, Mickey Rourke, right? Whiplash with the with the okay, so that's the one with the uh, suit in a suitcase. Oh my god, so great! The suit in a suitcase. It's also got uh, it's got Mickey Rourke is awesome in this. He's so great because he's got because now we got a good villain. We got a villain who's got a reason to be a villain, right? I mean, it's not one of those those like oh, I just want to go live in a castle on a mountain and shoot stuff. Like he's got a beef with the Starks. Because, you know, you know, these guys are very, they're very concerned about who's stealing their tech. Who's got my tech? I don't use my tech, right? <laughs> and so Mickey Rourke's father, you know, he's ruined because of Howard Stark, et cetera, et cetera. And so he's using that, that uh, technology to make his big whip things. Remember? He has his big electric whips. Yeah, and he whips the car right in half. And, then he's, and he's got a bird. And then, can I just say, Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell. So great. He dances. It's terrific. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just here to tell you, thank you for tuning in. Productivity, Pounce on Creativity, Dan Benjamin. I'm just here to tell you, I think it's an underrated movie. I think it's maybe, I don't know, Iron Man 1 is just so good. It's, it's your four quadrant, hit it out of the park movie. But, you know, I think Iron Man 2 is a great popcorn movie. I just, you know, just, just the scene where, did they call her Natalia? Anyway, where Black Widow and John Favreau are going to go and try to find Whiplash at that office. And like my daughter and I counted it and like he fights one guy. It's a great scene. And she, she beats up like 13 guys. <laughs> Remember that? She's going through the hallways and yeah. she's throwing stuff. She maces people. Yeah, she's great. She's outstanding. Great hair. Great look. Just, just fun. And she, she and Pepper just getting stuff done. <laughs> How's my mic sound? I'm sounding all right? Yeah, you sound great. John Favreau, his real name is Jonathan. His middle name is Kolaya. Jonathan Kolaya Favreau. Is that Greek? Hmm? <laughs> I don't know. What kind of work does he do? <laughs> 
Um, so we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> we watched Iron Man 2. What else do we watch? Oh, oh, I saw my first Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, your first one. Well, I tried to watch it once in the American version and it seemed unnecessarily mean. But we saw some 10-year-old... We were watching tons of BBC because they showed Doctor Who. So we're watching Doctor Who. This is what we do on vacation. We watch Doctor Who in a hotel room. But we watched... Uh, I ended up watching like a 10-year-old uh, Kitchen Nightmares and it was, it was awesome. I could see why people like Gordon Ramsay instead of just, just despising him. Well, when they brought the Kitchen Nightmares to the US, they completely changed it. And I think it's, it's a different... It feels different. Whereas in the UK version... He's he's got sort of an edge to him, but you can tell that he's working hard to make something better. And here in the U.S., he's only really nice when he's outside of the edifice, when he's beyond outside the restaurant approaching it. Once he steps foot inside, yeah, he's a jerk the whole time. Well, and just just merely confrontational. The thing is, I'm not going to act like it was more real in 2005, right? But um, he doesn't seem quite as self aware so much as today like I can't, I can't even watch the the master chief show that's just i can't even watch it master chief is that what it's called where they bring the people on and they play orchestra music while they yell at them about their buns or whatever i haven't horrible, seen that one. horrible show oh it's the worst it's the worst um but back then it was definitely stagey like the one we saw oh my god it was so hard to watch it was basically there's this place in blackpool the guy runs a restaurant he's he's obviously clinically depressed <laughs> It's not funny, but like Gordon's yelling at him and this man obviously has extremely low testosterone and depression. And it's, it's very, very hard to watch. But uh, so at one point he has a fake cop come in and fake arrest him and he's not allowed to use his hands all night. He has to just direct people with his voice. Pretty funny. He sends another guy home because he sweats too much. And it's pretty amusing. And uh, so we watched a lot of that. Um, what was I going to say? So anyway, yeah, Iron Man 2 is an excellent movie. Okay. I think you can, it's a really, really enjoyable movie. Sam Rockwell, man. He's like the new Emmett Walsh, man. That guy shows up, the movie gets better. And I saw Iron Giant in the theater. Oh, they re-released that. Yeah, I talked about that on, uh, on the program with, with, uh, with John Roderick this week. But yeah, they added two new scenes. And also now, if you have bought, as pointed out by my friend Todd, Todd, the VFX guy, his last name I pronounced wrong. Uh, if, you, if you've already bought Iron Giant on the um, iTunes store, which you should, uh, I bought it years ago, whatever. But uh, you now get, you automatically get the upgrade mm. to the remastered new scenes version. Um, hang on a second. Uh, um, and, um, and you get a commentary track, which you almost never get on iTunes. You get a full-on like, like new Brad Bird plus two or three other people commentary track. And you can still, this is the beauty part, you can still watch the old version if you want. So if you don't like what, what's in the, the new scenes... You can always still watch the old one. See, that's something that I think Apple gets right more consistently is just that, is that, well, what if I don't like the extended scenes or what if it changes the pacing? You know, like I remember when they re-released the Aliens movie with all of these additional scenes and it had been years and years and years since I saw that movie. And when I watched it again, I felt like the pacing of the movie was very different and there were some things. And I, of course, I realized quickly that, oh, right, that's because there are these background scenes like it shows Newt with her family uh, and and like how they're like exploring something on a cruiser and her dad is kind of dumb about the whole thing. And like it I felt like it took away 
some things uh, about the discovery of Newt alone on the station. I don't need to see her backstory before all of that because then it, it's mm-hmm. less of a surprise when you find her there on the station. Spoiler alert. But Oh, right. Oh, I, t- I take your point. Yeah. Did, it, yeah. did you feel like Iron Giant with the extra scenes, did it make it a better film? Um, I don't know. I, I have really mixed feelings. See, it's one, to me, it's one thing for Ridley Scott to come up with like, you know, whatever his vision of the month is for Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that, that latest, the, the latest final, final version uh, is really good, but it's, it's kind of, it's a, a different movie. Like Br- Brazil done by the director's cut of Brazil, like a different movie. These yeah. are absolutely different movies because there's, you know, there's something pivotal in those movies that are each fundamentally changed in those versions. This version, um, it's basically, it looks great, it sounds great, and it's got two new scenes. One of which I would have to say is extremely minor, and I'm kind of wondering why they put it in. And the other of which is potentially a bigger deal. Because it gives you basically, without spoilers, it gives you some background on like what the deal is with the giant. The giant has a dream, and we learn about like his deal. I really liked it because it comports completely with my own theory of Iron Giant, as as discussed on uh, the Incomparable. I'll put that in show notes. We mm-hmm. talked about the uh, Iron Giant on that program. Um, so no, I I like it, um, but you know it's weird. It's strange because you know once without getting into too much of the George Lucas thing, like once you've released that animal into the wild, it starts becoming someone else's thing. Like other people get to interpret it at that point. So when you take a second pass at like doing anything with the narrative, it always feels potentially really dodgy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But then again, I, I own a three hour copy of the Watchmen. So what do I know? Well, it's like back in the, uh, in the Anthony Burgess clockwork orange time period where apparently the book was released in the UK with this additional chapter, uh, that is kind of like a right. thing that happens in the future. And then there's the American version, which never had that. And then later was re-released with that. And everyone got upset about that. Like how, how dare you, add this chapter and change it. And he's like, well, no, 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 hold on. It was always there. Uh, Because like you said, like something gets put out there in the world and anyone who makes a change to it, even if it's the original author or creator, and even if it was always meant to be there, like I was listening to, um, uh, okay. So the Led Zeppelin re-released the mothership that was remastered and having listened. What? Is that Led Zeppelin one? No, the mothership is their collection of like uh-huh. these are all the important Led Zeppelin songs, and they remastered it. Like it was when it came out in the nineties, I think, it, or late eighties. It was a remaster, but then it they remastered it again. And maybe I'm kidding myself, but I felt like it sounded a little bit different to me. And it's it's interesting, you know. It got me thinking that like Jimmy Page is sitting there in the studio, right, like listening to this stuff. Like, what if he hears something like a little mistake he made or something he always just didn't like about the song that he wished he could go back and change? Because if if a musician is anything like a software developer, like they always want to fix that thing that they know wasn't optimized or wasn't perfect or wasn't right. And like, if you have the power to do that now in the studio, now you can fix anything. Right, right, right. You know, how much do you fix before it becomes a George Lucas thing where it's, uh, you know, it's not just that they made the black of space blacker and you can't see the mats of the TIE fighters anymore, which, yes, please fix that. Uh, right. I don't I don't need to, like, nostalgically remember the mats around the TIE fighters. 
But like now you've added a new creature that was never there because you always thought it would have been cool, but the effects couldn't do it. Like, is that okay? Is it not okay? Do you do that with music? Will people notice? I don't know. Oh, I think it's a really interesting question. Um, yeah, actually, I have a lot to say about that. Um, uh, I don't know how many sponsors we have. Do you, do you want to tell three. me about something you we like? We got three, and I'll tell you about Three's Warby. Go ahead, tell, 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 me, tell me about something you like. Tell me about Warby Parker, a new concept. And I wear, I'm wearing my Warby Parkers right now. And is, that the, is that the Sibleys? I do wear the Sibleys, yes, sir. And uh, they, they're, you know, Warby Parker came out, I think, at just the right time. Because I remember reading an article, I think it was on uh, Kotki, where he or, so, or he had linked to it, where it was talking about you can buy glasses online. And it was this, you know, like, well, that seems weird. How do you do that? And I really wanted to try it because I was struggling to find a pair of frames that I really liked. And I was at the point where I think I've told this story before here, where I was going, I was buying sunglasses popping out those frames and taking them to uh, the eye doctor and saying, put, put my, you know, my lenses into these because all of the frames in the whole world are so terrible. And when Warby came out, I was like, wait a minute, this, these frames are really, really great. And that's kind of what their whole premise is that you can get prescription glasses starting at 95 bucks, including lenses. So it's very affordable. You can get, you can get glasses, you can get your readers and you can get sunglasses all of this, and you get their tr home try-on program because you don't know what these things are going to look like on. You can, they have a little thing that lets you like s upload a picture of yourself and put the frames on there, but it's even better if you try them on. So what you do is you get five pairs of glasses shipped directly to you for free. You get to keep them five pairs for five days, pick the ones that you like, and once you've decided on the ones that you like, then you get your prescription put in, they send them back a brand new fresh pair. You can do that multiple times. They have lots of frames to choose from, and that's all free. But if you, uh, if you go to warbyparker.com slash Dan, you're going to get free three-day shipping on your final frame choice. So go to Warby Parker, warbyparker.com slash Dan, do your home try-on, and then you're going to get free three-day shipping uh, on that. I've got a whole bunch of these. Even got my readers. So uh, go check it out. Thanks very much to warbyparker.com. Go check them. Endorsed. Yeah, yes. my, my lady, uh, my lady is, is very into the Warby Parkers. And because she's, you know, she's pretty picky about glasses, and it, it's it's so difficult to know, like, will this make me look like a bug or a bird if I have these glasses on? And then when you try them on, you can really go, oh, bug, bird, perfect. You get exactly the ones you want. It's right. a, it's really a great service. Yeah, it really is cool. Um, that's a really good question. What? Where is the line for knowing how much you can or should change something, and when do you just get into tinkering? I mean, you know. I, to my mind, at one end of that, you've got, you know, probably episode four of Star Wars. Like, you know, you know, there's just so much tinkering and the, the CGI. But, you know, then there's also this phenomenon now of artists re-recording their old songs. Oh, man, what is that? Why do they do well, that? Is it a I can, licensing? I can, I can tell you. I, I, watched a, mm, I watched a pretty C-plus documentary of Jeff Lynne last week from um, ELO and The Move. It was good. It was okay. It was, you know kind of pretty laudatory and weird what they chose to focus on. But he's a very interesting guy because, boy, has he ever released a lot of re-released, re-released stuff. But at one, at one point, fairly recently, he went in and did a, like, note-for-note -note recreation of the most popular ELO songs. And the reason for it, I think, was fairly straightforward, which was that 
the light, well, I'll probably get this slightly wrong. I apologize. But essentially, you know, he, he had the, you know, composer credits on it. He got paid to be a musician on it, et cetera. But I think the recordings of the classic ELO songs belong to the label. So, you know, and his stuff gets used a lot in movies, commercials, especially movies. I mean, how many movies have you heard Mr. Blue Sky, you know, in the trailer or something? Right. So he recorded all of those, the hits that people want to use so that now he can sell them that recording and see more of the income from it. I mean, that's also an interesting exercise. It makes sense. And why wouldn't they do that? But like this morning, it's Halloween, it's Halloween time, right? So my, my kids into the Halloween stuff all year round, but now it's like out of control. And so like every day they they're watching Beetlejuice or Nightmare Before Christmas or whatever. And this morning he wants to hear like Screaming Jay Hawkins stuff. So I look for it on Apple Music, which I've, uh, I'm testing out now instead of Spotify, and uh, I search for it there, and it's like I find it, but then I play it, and it sounds really weird, and it sounds different, and then I, uh, I switch over to Spotify, and I search for it there, and there's like a tribute album instead of that. So I don't really, I don't really understand what... Like, if you're going to re-record it, try to make it sound the same. This thing sounded terrible. I hated it. It made me really sad. Yeah, there's a lot. I want to say a lot, but over time, I have encountered lots of, you know, even like old albums of standards or, you know, what have you, where it was a re... If it was something that was like maybe recorded in the 30s or 40s, it would be re-recorded in the 60s or 70s. Mm. I imagine for a lot of the same reasons. You know, I mean, the music business is such a thistle, but... um, but um, I'm sorry, people are texting me. Uh, I, I'm very easily distracted, Dan. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's that's probably why that happens. As far as why we see that in something like Spotify or Apple Music, you know, they want to cover the waterfront. It, it, there's still so many like inexplicable to me, like weird holes in availability for stuff that I have to imagine is just you know very much either they couldn't negotiate it or it's for whatever reason it's just not available. Like, um, actually, right now, as I speak, I'm wearing my Mission of Burma shirt from the uh, On, Off, On tour, circa 2003, maybe. Mission of Burma, after 20 years away, came back and recorded a thunderous, fantastic album called On, Off, On. But you go to the Mission of Burma thing on uh, on the Apple Music, and it's not there. It's not there. I go to my collection, it's there, because I own a copy of it. But, you know, there's those weird holes like that. Who, who else has done this? I think Squeeze... Squeeze recently, in the last few years, re-recorded like a note-for-note redo of all their stuff. They might, they might even have gotten Elvis Costello to sing on it again. I'm not sure, but I don't know. It's an interesting thing. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, you know. Again, I, I, you know, I feel like maybe once a month or so, I go back and re-listen to the hypercritical episodes, the, <laughs> the one on Walter Isaacson that you, that you and Syracuse did, but also the one on preserving Star Wars. I think it's another fantastic. Um, exemplar of what made that show so great with the two of you and you know he had this very lucid argument for saying look you know let george george lucas owns george lucas stuff let him go crazy with that but can we have one there's got to be a good copy of this that we could own in this age right how frustrating it is that george lucas essentially makes the case that there isn't a good copy of it anymore and he i guess couldn't make one seems a little bit implausible for somebody who's as into his own history as he is but um, but I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes you can really cross the line. I'm trying to think of other examples of that. You know, I guess the other obvious example is that today in music, you know, they well, I don't know what they call it, the volume war. I mean, we're now oh, everything. Yeah. 
everything gets mastered in the last, you know, 15 years, uh, gets mastered at like pretty much maximum volume. Because, you know, if you bought or you stream something today and it wasn't at that maximum volume, you'd feel kind of gypped. Marcus talked about this in testing headphones. That like when you test like different, you know, bit rates and all the different ways of testing, you know, oh, can you tell the difference between a flak and an Og Vorbis and a 128K MP3? Can you can you really tell the difference? And of course, some people really can, but the the main thing that will scotch it is if one is slightly louder than the others, mm-hmm. people will almost always pick the one that's slightly louder. Yeah, there was that test that came. Did you take that test where it was asking if you could tell the difference between the recorded qualities, different versions. This is around the time that uh, Jay-Z's title came out and they were asking you to to try and tell the difference. And it was this one, I wish I could find it, but I've looked for it since and can't find it anymore. But there was this wonderful test that you could take. I talked about it with Jim on, on Amplified, actually, uh, where they were playing it at these different, they had, I don't know if they had adjusted the volumes, but they got the volume all the same of these compositions. They were in different uh, different qualities. One would be an MP3 at this level. One was, the, you know, an AIFL, whatever. And people again and again were saying, wow, there's, there's no way I can tell these apart. And people I knew were taking the test and you would fill it out. I got every single one of them right. That was like 10 out of wow. 10. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know why that is. And I almost am concerned, but like, why would you be concerned? Well, I don't know. Like, should I, should a person be They're Like, basically they're saying that like audio professionals can't tell the difference. I could totally tell it was like night and day and I didn't even have headphones on. I was just right in front of my, uh, right in front of my, uh, computer. Okay. I found it. It's, uh, it's on NPR.org and I'll add it to the show notes. It's how well can you hear audio quality? And it came out in June of 2015. And they've got all kinds of samples, including some Jay-Z stuff, some Neil Young stuff. And it's, uh, it's well worth your time to take it. I got them all right. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is another one of those hilariously overdramatic internet arguments. You know, people should do what they enjoy doing and follow the things that they like. If it's not hurting other people, like go listen to title. You know, whatever. Like I, you know, I, you know, I don't feel the need to browbeat somebody because they happen to prefer vinyl or they have a pono. Like whatever works for you. Like I think that's fine. I just know that. For myself, I am much more sensitive. I never thought this would happen. I'm much more sensitive to video quality these days than I am to audio quality. Um, even on my sub 40 inch TV, I think our TVs are, it was a pretty cheap TV, mm-hmm. but it's around 40 inches. It's at the, at the high end of a small TV. <laughs> um, and I definitely notice differences. I mean, I, I can't believe how often I, I feel like I really can notice 720 versus 1080, which at the, I've done the calculations and I'm far enough from the TV that with glasses on that shouldn't matter, but it does. Like watching, actually watching this week's Doctor Who on from Apple, uh, from iTunes, it, it looks markedly better than the stuff that falls off the back of a truck. I mean, I really yeah. noticed the difference, but I don't know. I mean, people should follow what they like. I think, you know, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to say about that. But, but, but the other the thing for me is it's not for me, it's not so much the like quality. If, if, you know, if I had 192K MP3, I'm pretty much fine. 128K MP3, I listen to occasionally find a very, very, very old MP3. And I do notice, I do notice the difference. It does sound weird and muddy and a little digital. Um, but, and I, you know, I have listened to like the, the solid gold 
you know, Monster Cable repressing of like Dark Side of the Moon. Mm -hmm. And like, it sounds really good. But I mean, it's always sounded really good to me. So I don't know. Again, it depends on your speakers, depends on your everything. Oh, yeah. You want to make sure you get those gold cables for everything also. (laughs) For everything. You know, the weird thing is, though, while according to the NPR test, I can tell the difference. I don't care about the difference. And that's the thing that I've noticed. Uh, I, I, I know whether it's really good or not, but I enjoy it either way. I don't really care. I'm not in pursuit of this incredibly high quality thing like I, I you know i remember speaking of hypercritical back in the day when he was searching john was searching for you know just the right tv and he didn't want to let go of his plasma tv but then he got one and it has a little fan and he can hear the tiny little sound of the fan uh, it that kind of thing for me doesn't bother me in the least i don't even care about that kind of thing my house with my children in it is so noisy at all times that just the <laughs> fact that I can hear a TV at all over the din of the of the the constant as uh, as Specter would say the wall of sound uh, that goes on in my home a, a little fan like that doesn't even register and I always you know I remember that though like there was this one great uh, uh, thing that Sandy did for the AeroPress. Remember that? And it shows him. Oh like, yeah, that was really cool. Love yeah. that. And it just, it made me yearn for the, the days of you know, pre uh, warring kids in the house uh, of where I could like take the time to make and enjoy a cup of coffee without distraction. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> your life sounds miserable. Is it really that bad? It's not miserable. It's just a constant con- there's no there's no break from anything, and I'm not complaining because I love my family and I love my children. But uh, it's it's not like there's ever it's constant shouting and fighting and screaming and uh, expressions of love and uh, and joy and anger all the time. Mm. Mm-hmm. So like a but fan you don't, you in get a to TV, hear the sound of something you don't hear something dripping. You don't you don't get the the sound of making a cup of coffee so much anymore. Well, I mean, I'll hear it, but it's there's nothing I can do about it. You know, yeah, it's funny. The last uh, latest episode of uh, we brought back uh, season two of Reconcilable Differences has restarted. I don't yes. mean this strictly as a plug, but uh, it is really nice to have that back. Show I do with John Syracuse. And uh, this week's, well, this past week's episode, uh, <laughs> I'll just say if you like hearing John talk about fans and things, if you like hearing John talk about toasters, if you like hearing John talk about whether Walter Isaacson understands the role of next in the Apple operating system, you're going to really enjoy his take on home repairs and what poor John Syracuse has had to live through. Mm. The, <laughs> the lack of quality <laughs> coming home and like the sliding is cr- the siding they put on is crooked, but there's so many new layers of siding on top. There's nothing that can be done about it. Now he's got to like look at that forever. Right. But, and, and yeah, I had, with John, like hearing him, I'm, I'm a huge fan of John Syracuse and I've heard him in many places, but the whole fan thing, now I hear fans where I didn't used to. You can't unhear a fan. Like once you start hearing it, I really notice it. I notice when this, um, what do I get? What's it called? OWC makes this thing called like the dock or something like that. I got it so I could hook up, you know, more hard drives to this computer. And uh, man, I really notice when the fan spins up. I just, on the hard drive, I just, I really hear it. it drives me crazy. Um, so, you know, but you know, in fairness uh, to, to Jeff Lynn, uh, that guy can still really, really sing. 
It's a, he sounds fantastic. Sometimes when you hear the re-recorded version of something, you know, you hear the age in somebody's voice because that's just natural. You get older. It's you don't have that same clarion quality. But he mm. he sounds fantastic. I love that guy. You know, if you've never really done a deep dive on, especially like I don't know, seventy-seven and earlier ELO and his time in the Move with Roy Wood. Yes, once again, this is your annual reminder that you should be listening to Roy Wood in the Move. You're a monster if you're not checking them out. Um, really, really good stuff. Beautiful stuff. So we've covered a lot of important productivity issues this week. So far, so good. <laughs> what else did I want to talk about? Uh, I've discovered, uh, go ahead. You used to have throwback hip hop, a killing joke. Oh, uh, yeah, right, right, right. Oh, you're good. You're good. Well, I'm trying to, you know. Yeah, no, stick in the ground. Well, we, you know what? Let's talk more about killing joke another time. But I, I think I saw something on the Google News about how there's some talk of maybe killing joke making it into a movie. So I, Killing Joke was great for its time. We've talked about this on another episode. Yeah. But man, that, that story gets tougher every month or so. It's really not <laughs> comics at its finest in some no. ways. But that Brian Bowling, man, that guy's, that, guy's, that guy's great. Yeah. You know, Alan Moore, he's, he's stepping out of public life. He's had it. I, you didn't think Alan Moore could be any more frustrated with the world, but supposedly he's, 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 he's really had it. You're not even allowed to say his name anymore. You can't even credit him with being him. He's having his, having his name removed from himself. Oh, my God. That's funny to four people. Um, but uh, what was the other one? Oh, yeah, we got a throwback hip-hop station. They play like all like, uh, like 90s hip-hop. It's really good. I wanted to mention something I discovered. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I think you might enjoy this. I mean, my daughter and I are really in- enjoying this. You know what I discovered? I- Have I told you about this isometric graph paper? Have we talked about this? Isometric graph paper. I used to do isometric, isometric projections of screws back in my drafting class when I was in high school. Did you have a template for that? Did you have so you could make like an oval or even no. a freehand? It was, uh, well, we were using all the drafting tools. So we had the straight edge, the thing that's attached to the side of the drafting table. And then you had your right. little, you know, thing that you did the, the you know. I've been, I've been only doing this for a week. So I'm mostly still doing things that look like the magic floating box <laughs> and space stations. My daughter and I draw a lot of space stations, but it's really cool. It's, it's, it's not dissimilar from the hex paper you would use in D&D. But if you can imagine just a series, if you just go search for isometric, I put some in the notes and you can look under isometric graph paper. It's just really, really fun and relaxing to draw easy 3D boxy shapes. It's totally fun. And I mention it because like if you, if you like, you know, Minecraft, you like making things with your kids, it's kind of a fun creative thing to do is work on something together. Like I'll start it, she'll draw some more, she puts some googly eyes on it. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys draw a lot together? My daughter loves, loves, loves to draw. She is obsessed with drawing and painting and stickers and stamps and all of that stuff. So I get to draw more with her. And uh, my boy is much less into uh, into drawing and more into reading and uh, and movie watching at, at this wow. stage. So, yeah, it's a different different thing. Have you gotten into the Wimpy Kid books? No, no, I know I've seen them, but I've never gotten into those. Oh, they're awful. It's just awful. Really? Oh, oh, a lot of sass mouth. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, but no, kids love them. It's like crack for kids. She's she's read all of them, but it's uh, it, oh, I I just don't. I, they just put out a, some kind of interactive Harry Potter on the iBooks. I saw that, and it, it's exclusive to iBook stuff. So, like, the only way you can get the official exclusive thing is, is I, could, I couldn't make anything animate. I only got I got the sample. Uh, for one of them to just go see what it did. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't make it do anything. I'm mashing all over the screen. I couldn't make anything happen. 
But what's animated? What's animated? Do the pictures move? Is is it like a, a serious black type situation? I think it is. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's a good week. We've helped a lot of people. Yep. Should probably uh, button it up. All right. Um. So, uh, I would like to, in a moment, if 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 you'll allow it, I would like to return for uh, part three, the final part, likely for now, of our Siri discussion. Is that? Would you be into that? I would absolutely adore it. I would love it. Perhaps uh, as a as a preface to that, you could tell us about something else that you like. I would like to tell you about Linda. This episode is brought to you by Linda, the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses that help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. They are giving a free 10-day trial to our listeners. It's at lynda.com slash back to work, but Linda is spelled L-Y-N-D-A. So lynda.com slash back to work. And uh, you know what? This is a great, wonderful service with so many videos. And the way that it works is they have a flat rate. You pay that flat rate for every month that you want to be a subscriber. And then you have access to everything that they have. It doesn't matter how many times you choose to watch something or if you only want to watch five minutes of a, of a video or a hundred five-minute videos. It really doesn't matter. You can watch everything. Access to it at your fingertips on iOS, Android, or, of course, on your computer. Courses are structured so that you can watch them from start to finish or just consume them in little bite-sized pieces because the folks at Linda understand how people learn and how people like to watch this stuff. You may not have two hours to sit down and watch some long course on Final Cut Pro, but you may have five minutes to figure out how to do a scene transition. So they're set up that way. It's a fantastic service, unlimited access to all of these great courses coming out all the time. Every time a new software app comes out, every time something's updated, they've got the update. They've got a new course on it. So go and check it out. Lynda.com slash back to work. Going there supports the show. Signing up supports your life and your interests and your endeavors, and you'll get a free 10-day trial when you do it. Thanks very much to Linda for supporting this show. Thank you, Linda. You know, when people are severed from a place, you know, they give you the package and everything, it would be nice to give them, I'm I'm not kidding, uh, it would be nice to give them like a a Linda subscription too. That was like a a way to like, like a bonus. Well, as a way to like get boned up on skills, you know, if there's something new they want to learn or something they, the skill they want to deepen, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally do. Hmm. (sighs) Twitter has 4,200 employees. Yeah, they're getting rid of eight percent of them. Thirty-five offices. That's, that's horrible crazy. when people lose their job. But my goodness, that's so many people. Have you so been into people. the Twitter offices there? Last time I was at Twitter, when I knew people who worked there, <laughs> I don't know many people there anymore. I did a talk there in probably the fall of I want to say 2010. I did that talk on meetings. Pretty good talk. Um, and uh, at that time, if memory serves, my handler said, "Yeah." It's really interesting talking about meetings and, you know, how things are changing here. You know, in January, I might be getting this wrong, but I think this is right. She said that, you know, in January we had 150 employees and now we're up to 300. And I was like, you're kidding me. Like you doubled the size of the company in like nine or 10 months. She's like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Wow. Wow. And and so now they have 4,000 employees. Wow. And what's weird that supposedly the buzz is a lot of the people who are being let go are engineers. That seems wrong to me. That seems incorrect. Shows you how little I understand about anything. But like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Hmm. Anyway, it's a topic for another show. So yeah. um, we've been uh, nerding out here for the past few weeks about uh, new things in the Apple world. And and let's be honest about how, I think, if I could speak for us, like how relatively ha- we ha- happy we are with these new devices and the new operating systems and the new functionality. Still, still going good for you? 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's going really, really good. Which which aspect of this shall we discuss first? Because I have, I have, it feels in a very good way in the iOS space. It feels like months and months since the last time that we talked. And I've made a few important changes and I've come up with some really interesting workflows. And I'm, for the record, Merlin, I am not a workflow kind of a guy, except in as much as you have influenced me to be one from, from doing the show with you. But I don't, so I don't know how much we want to talk about the email thing that I've done, but so all of these positive changes are a result, not specifically of like Siri stuff, but of making this transition to using the iPad Air 2 that I got in right. a significant way and, and iOS 9 and 3D type and all of these little things. I, I can't believe how much of a dramatic effect this has made on how I'm working and how much of an effect that's had on my stress level just by making like some workflow changes to apps. Like I've heard you say it a lot and I've tried different things and some of them have helped, but there were some big ones here that really like had an, a dramatic effect. And now I'm like, I'm responding to people quickly and it's not stressful and I'm enjoying it. And like, there's some big stuff here that seems weird. It seems weird, like first world problems, but they're having a big effect. Absolutely. So let's clear the decks and and focus on that. Um, I love this. So all I was going to say was, you know, um, well, first of all, just to agree with you. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like I'm, I can't believe how quickly 3D Touch became a thing that I started using a lot. Um, still loving Spotlight on the phone. But the, the, just to, to kind of close the thread, the thing that I suggested last week was that anybody who's interested and has the capability hardware and software wise, my suggestion was to start using Siri approximately twice as much as you did before. And uh, uh, about 150 people made the joke that they didn't use it at all before. So that's still zero. Right. That was really funny. Um, But everybody else who tried it, I think the results have been interesting. There are a handful of people who just said flat out, hey, you know, this still doesn't work for me. I'm seeing this, you know. 25 or 50% failure rate, you know, and so I, I believe that. But there's also a lot of people where I have to say it was the effect I wanted, which was just give this another try. And people, I, a handful of people went and tried it again and stuck with it. And like I say, just something as simple as open calendar. It's mind-blowing how fast that is on a success. Um, so I just wanted to say I'm, I'm gratified to hear that that works for people. If you're hearing this for the first time, still try that. Try using Siri a lot more than you would have before. Open your mind to the idea that there's stuff you can do with Siri that's not as wacky and like a, a parlor trick, not as much of a parlor trick as it sounds. And I, I would just suggest stick with that, keep doing that. Not only is it the way Apple is clearly headed, so that's a good move if you're an Apple fan, but also it, it is just, as I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit, there are so many new productivity improvements on uh, the success and the iPad Air in particular, iPad Air 2, that, you know, once you start being aware, let, let me put it this way, stop using your phone like you did in 2007. Like, I know you like it, you have it a certain way, you got 15 different Twitter apps, all these, whatever. What I'm saying is open your mind to the idea that this device has, to use a, a word John Syracuse loves, has evolved. Like a lot has happened with, with these apps, with this hardware. And just, you know, open your mind to the idea of trying some of these new things because I think it'll it'll kind of blow your mind. It's just my thought on that. I totally agree with you, 100% agree with you. One thing that I have here in my notes as something that I wanted to mention, as people have tweeted to me or asked me, and including my wife, for example, uh, when she saw me doing the, hey, telephone thing, uh, she's like, 
can I do that? And I said, yes, you can definitely do that. And she tried it and it didn't work. And I said, oh, you know what? I believe you have to be plugged into power to enable that feature. And it it is still true. And I had assumed that the Hey Telephone thing was an iOS 9, having it be on all the time, listening all the time, uh, even when you're not plugged in, was an iOS 9 thing. It's a hardware and iOS 9 thing. So it's only going to work on the 6S and the 6S Plus, my understanding. I think that's because of the M9 right. chip. Yes, yes. Yeah, my, I have to say, that particular thing, uh, it worked annoyingly well uh, at first, where like I would say, oh, hi, telephone, and everything would start lighting up. But I have to say, I, I'll go back and retest this, but I feel like it has not been working consistently for me. What we're talking about here is how you can say, you know, you can hail your telephone. Well, we'll, we'll call it Ahoy Telephone. Um, and what you could do up, up till now on iOS 8 is you could say, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it once. I apologize. Hey, Siri. You could say that and your phone would start listening if it was plugged in, if it could hear your voice, et cetera. And then the change is on, yes, like definitely a 6S or 6S Plus. And I think... Does the iPad Air do it too? Uh, no, I do not believe that it does. Well, I need to look this up. But the, essentially, the, it, it has taken it to the next level where now you can tune the voice a little better to have it listen to it. Essentially, what I understand at this point is very primitive. It's just listening for the pitch of your voice mm-hmm. um, to, to try and see if that's you. But the idea is that even when it's not plugged in, you can do a Hoy telephone. So my experience on that has been it seemed to work a charm for a few days and it hasn't worked for a while. So maybe I need to do a restart or something. So you're I'll, saying I'll it's, it not, it, it's not hearing you when you want to initiate it as much as it was. I'm going to pop, I'm going to mute for a second yeah. and try it and see if it works. Yeah. Hang on one second. Stand yeah. by. Okay. That time it worked. See, I say for me, it probably works. It, when we first started doing it, it was nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 times. Now it's like seven out of 10 times. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I, I've I've wondered if it was if it could hear me well, but you know, again, as part of my this is this is also where you start to seem like a crazy person because I've started just doing that when it occurs to me, mm-hmm. just because as part of this practice of using it more, I don't even know if anything will hear me. I just start using it. I say thing with the uh, with the with the uh, Amazon Echo, where I'll just I'll just do it for fun, just to like you know see what it'll do for me. Um, and so yeah, I, I will I will try it again, but it's a, that is a terrific feature. But, you know, the truth is also, if you're unplugged, so if you don't, if you're not using, if you're basically speaking into the microphone on your iPhone 6S or 6S Plus, right? And so what do I mean there? You're not on Bluetooth. You're not on headphones. You're not doing any intermediary audio. If you're speaking directly into the device, you also get the benefit of it listening ahead, right? Yeah. So we talked about this before, but this is giant. Again, Daniel Jalkut has posted about this. If It's essentially listening before you hit the button. So if you haven't tried that, do try that. that. That is worth repeating. Then with what Daniel calls, I think, you know, pretty hilariously, the headphone tax, if, you, if you're using headphones or Bluetooth, it will not be doing that. It will be roughly, it'll be an improved performance over older devices, but it's not nearly as like lickety split fast. But, you know, I, I tend to use the button just because I, 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 it's becoming a habit for me to hit the button and speak into it. But I should do more Ahoy Telephone probably. Well, I mean, I, 
I love the fact that like I might be getting ready in the morning and I wonder what the weather is. You can ask it. It'll tell you little things like that. Making appointments again is super convenient. Just being able to say like, you know, if you're if you're at a doctor's appointment and they're like, well, when do you want to have a follow up? And you could say oh, about 830 on Tuesday. And they say, great. And you could just as you're walking out, you just say it and it, it hears you and it does it or changing appointment times, telling people things like I, I you know, my wife, who is not a techie or in the geek space really when she, and I could have sworn that she knew about this, but when she saw me doing it, uh, doing text messages with somebody just by talking, you know, saying, Hey, telephone, uh, tell Chad, could you please check out this other thing? It seems to be having a problem. And then receiving a text message and saying, Hey, read it to me and having it. Yeah, I, haven't, it back. I haven't done that. I'm, I've been, I will sometimes say, Hoy telephone, uh, tell my wife, on my way, exclamation point. Because you got to use exclamation points or people think you're mad. <laughs> or, um, you know, uh, hoi telephone, uh, tell my wife, leaving the school now, period. And, you know, and it'll... But here's... here's the, I, I have been experimenting extensively with, with the following feature. Uh, I think it, it, is, it is faster. I don't know how to put these in the right words because I'm not a technologist. Um, but I think it's getting more sensitive so, for example, like last night sitting around watching TV, um, I was practically whispering, like not with it up to my mouth, but like really? whispering like in the room, like try this, like try picking up your telephone, hold down the button, you know, basically hold the home button and say, like in about this tone of voice, schedule a meeting for tomorrow at 10 a.m. and see if it works. Hmm. So I'm going to do it from right across the room here. All right. Schedule a meeting for tomorrow at 10 a.m. Yep. Bullseye. So it seems like if, but, it, but you hit the button to do that. I did, yeah. Now there's, I, didn't, a, I didn't want to invoke the uh, incantation. Right. Well, there's another thing that you can do that is, uh, that's really cool that one of the people I, I work with was telling me about, and she said, you can just say to it, open, or even just say the name of an app, and it will open. That's, I think that's you, what I'm telling you. Oh my God, I can't believe you. Yes. So open deliveries, open calendar, right. open mail. And it is. I think you mentioned that last week, but I, with all the other stuff, I think I missed it. Oh well, geez, you guys, this is this is so. Um, especially if it's an app that has a short name, and it's one maybe you don't even use all that much. Let me just try. Let me just try. Open deliveries. Disco, and that's it. So basically, and so so the beauty part is this is a nice confluence of a few technologies. So basically, you put your finger or your whatever your your digit is. Um, that, that also unlocks it. If you, if you put that on the phone and then hold it, I mean, a lot of goodness happens because it'll just launch that app. If you yell Ahoy Telephone, open deliveries, it, you have to unlock your phone first. But um, no, but I'm, what I'm telling you is like experiment with this. Your mileage will vary, but try launching with your voice rather than with your finger. And I think you might be surprised how often it's actually a lot faster. Again, again, and then you get into the stuff we haven't, I mean, we're all still grokking this, but stuff like getting a text message with a link in it, you can peek, you can peek the link by holding the 3D touch. You can pop the link and go to it by, you know, following through. And then after you've looked at it, it'll take you, you, there's a back button to take you back to messages. Like you need to unlearn seven or eight years of iPhone usage to really benefit from this. Like we've all gotten, most of us, if we use this stuff a lot, we've gotten pretty good at at least two to five-year-old technology. And the thing is that the iPhone, 
iOS wants to help you so much more than it's ever been able to help you before, but you have to unlearn some old habits. So, I mean, like I said, you know what I'm talking about? We get the back button. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. You go somewhere. So the combination of the back button, the force touch on the left side of the screen that takes you back an app, it's basically like hitting command tab once to go to the previous app. You can just keep flipping back and forth between two apps. I'm finally getting more into using the split view on iPad where mm-hmm. I'll just like leave OmniFocus open in the right window or leave notes open in the right window. And then if you, if you go to the homepage, go somewhere else and come back to the original app that's in the left pane, it comes right back up with the split view. It's crazy. Yeah, it remembers that. And I mean, I do want to talk to you a little bit if we have time today. I'm sorry, I got off. You have a lot to talk about. Well, no, just just one kind of one, two things that I have on my on my list of things I want to ask you. And then one bigger topic that perhaps is so is interesting enough that we could talk about it on its own show. But one of the things that we were talking about last week, I, I think my question to you was, how are you using or when are you using drafts versus when are you using editorial? And and you explained how, in case people missed the show, that drafts is sort of your starting point when you want to just compose something that begins as text. You start with drafts and then you may keep it there. You may send it to other things. And it has all of these great functions that allow you to send it to other things. And that was part of what I was looking for. But there's a little bit more that... I kind of wanted to do. And so we talk, have talked a lot about uh, NVAlt on the Mac, which is a great app that lets you, it's essentially the same thing as drafts in a way, is that you start by just typing and you type notes, you type text, you type other things, and then they're easily sortable, searchable, and you can find exactly what you need. And it's a great place and you can store them all as individual text files. So even if you save or create a text file in some other way, if it winds up as a text file in that folder, you can get to it in NVAlt really easily. All of this stuff is great. One of the things that I wanted to point out is that drafts, it's not like something like Simple Note, I think, will allow you to share all of these files that you might have created and saved to your Dropbox in NVAlt. Drafts doesn't work that way. You can export something from drafts and send it to NVAlt. Like you can do that kind of thing by essentially saving it into your Dropbox folder that NVAlt uses. But it's not like a one-to-one thing. So if you have 100 notes in NVAlt, uh, drafts won't access those. It won't have access to those. It's not designed to, I don't believe. Mm. Uh, it's a separate thing. But if that's what you're looking for, Brad himself, I believe, has recommended something called, I believe it's called iWriter. Yeah. I have not used that or tried that. But that's, so just to be clear, that's a different thing. But what one of the things that I was looking for and I didn't have a term for this really, and I still don't have the right terms for it, but I'll throw it out to you is I, I actually am using Notes, the Notes app, to do this. Uh, but I wanted – so let's say that we're, we're doing a show right now, and I have some follow-up from listeners. So there's emails there. There's – maybe I, I found a, a picture uh, from Iron Man 2 that I wanted to you know talk to you about. I have some links that I found that were interesting uh, somebody sent in something about Gil Fronstall's talk. I wanted to put that into the show notes. All of these things that I'm kind of composing in a kind of somewhat amorphous way. They're not necessarily related, but they're things that might come up during the show or just thoughts and ideas that I had. Is there a way I can store these things and add them and kind of create a bucket for them, if you will? And Notes allows you to make folders. And then inside of the folders, you can create multiple notes. You can can. You can make single notes, you can add links, you can add all of these things from all of the other apps. 
And so I've started using it as almost that bucket for like, I just want to, I have something. I want to remember it. I want to mention it on a show. How do I do that? Where do I put it? And notes has become that kind of missing app for me. And it's not perfect. There's things you can't do. Like I can't, if I'm on my Mac, I can't like drag an email from mail app into notes. You can do that. And then it makes a link to that email. But then if you delete or archive the email, the link is sort of gone. It doesn't seem to work anymore. Oh, man. So there's some some things that don't work perfectly. But if you know of an app that is kind of like a bucket that can be organized, or if the listeners do, I would absolutely love to hear about it. It's not Evernote, by the way. I've tried this with Evernote and a handful of other You're apps. talking about adding, I mean, is it is it the equivalent of like appending in uh, like with a text file? Kind of. So here's here's the scenario. Let's say I'm going through email and now I, I have a whole new workflow for email and I'm like doing it and it's working and I feel like I'm on top of email for the first time in a long time. But let's say an email comes in is from a listener and they say, this would be really cool on back to work. And I say, well, you know what? You're right. So I reply to them. I say, you're right. Now I have a task. I want to put that into the the place that holds the emails for back to work. And it's not going to be my email app. I want to get it out of there. I want to get it into something else. So I can cut and paste the content of that email or I could do something with it. Maybe I make an edit myself. Maybe I want to add to it. Maybe I just want the two sentences from the email and the person's name. Well, I want to put that somewhere. But then I also came across a couple of interesting links that I wanted to share with you on the show. So I want to put them somewhere. And there's that image I told you about from Iron Man 2. I want to put somewhere where, where am I putting these? How, what can organize all of these different things that are, maybe there's topic ideas while well, I'm using Trello for that, but you know what I mean? Like it, a place where I can put things that maybe I want to relate together into a bucket that's called back to work episode 242. What app does that? Maybe there isn't one. Well, I mean, there's two fairly easy ways to do this. The, the, the drop dead easy way is just have a running file in notes. So you can have something called back to work ideas or back to work notes right. or just back to work. Right. Um, I would say be canny in how you name reminders lists and in how you name notes. Uh, it didn't used to matter, right? Because it used to be you're just typing. But remember, you're using Siri now. Right. So you could say, um, so, you know, add something like, I don't know if this is exactly right, but something like, you know, um, add this item to my back to work note. And it will uh, append that, right. you know, to the bottom of that. Plus now, at least on iOS, you have that ability to use the share sheet to add a web page or anything or whatever. Yeah, That's amazing. Use Siri. I haven't tried Siri for notes yet, but I do that all the time with reminders where I'll say like, you know, uh, like I, you can do this in drafts. So like in drafts on the phone, you can say, um, rem remind me about this tomorrow morning. And it creates a reminder with a link to that, uh, that thing in drafts which is pretty, pretty terrific. So the, the super easy way is to just have one long-running notes file and just trim it periodically. Um, then there's two ways I could think of doing that with text files, one of which is uh, very easy and one of which takes a little bit of work. But you can just have, a, again, have a running text file called back-to-work ideas or whatever. And then through either, um, through either drafts, I think you can do this with drafts, mm -hmm. or is it editorial? Anyway, one of the text editors uh, has an append functionality. So you could say append this to this text file. Um, and then you can also do that with the uh, Launch Center Pro. Launch Center Pro, you can create a button to uh, append or prepend to an ad hoc text file. 
that that might be your fastest way. I and again, so. now with 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 launch with Launch Center Pro now, you get to define up to four, I believe, Touch ID. You can, I'm sure you can do this with workflow as well. Um, launch Center Pro, man, the dream is real with Launch Center Pro. You guys can use that um, because now, I mean, what used to be so uh, like annoying, not in a way that's their fault, but the thing that was annoying about Launch Center Pro is you had to open it to do anything, right? So having all the power of all that, like you know, workflow. Um, using all the different, uh, what's the URL schemes, I guess they're called. Yeah. Well, now you've got that right on your homepage um, with up to four actions. So you, you, you know, like what, what's the one? I have, I have an action on there. This is a really old one. It's really dumb, but I have an action that toggles between 10% and 60% brightness. So if I want to just quickly get the phone, this is from the days before Control Center, but now I can just um, 3D touch on um, Launch Center Pro just move my thumb up, hit that button, and it reduces my iPhone or yeah, my iPhone uh, brightness to ten percent. If I do it again, it takes it to sixty percent. Dumb stuff like that. If there's anything, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff now. Like you know, and again, you can do this with Siri. I think you can change like your Bluetooth settings with Siri and stuff. There's a million ways to do all this. So in your case, it comes down to this: what app are you most comfortable doing that with, and what kind of functionality comes with that app? Right. And then like, how much granularity do you want? So like, I have a different text file for each week's episode. Not necessary. Um, but, you know, in your case, if you just want a running ideas file, I would just have a text file and append to it. But notes would be great, too, if you want to have the richness of, you know, the cards and stuff. I wouldn't fret too much about the connection back to email because, A, you're taking it out of email, so you don't have to worry about that right. as an email. And, B, you can always just search and spotlight and find that email if you need right. to. Yeah, and you know what? Spotlight search for email or just searching within the mail app for email, it has taken such a huge leap forward with this latest version of iOS it's fast and it works. And I used to just go into my mail app and I would search for a person or a subject and it would no. find nothing. And oh, now no. it, it finds is, everything. You want me to download, download more mail from server? <laughs> well, and now I don't know if you're an OmniFocus user, but now OmniFocus appears in Spotlight too. So tasks, context, projects, that will all appear in Spotlight. So if you want to search for something, a task that you're working on, you can do that in Spotlight without even opening up the app. So get ready for more and more apps to do that because it is dynamite. Mm-hmm. It is, it's like I said, I mean, just, and again, I'm repeating myself. I don't assume people hear every episode. Do a search on something like Christmas or birthday or like the name of your favorite band. Try that in a spotlight search on iOS and get ready to be blown away by how many resources it finds for you that are on your phone in an app you don't even have to launch. Like, yeah, you launch it, but you don't have to, it's a totally different, it's a fundamental change in thinking. We used to have a very, app-first, app-centric approach to doing stuff because you had to get dot, go find the silo you want to get into. And then, you know, I said this in an upcoming episode of the show I do with Jim Dalrymple. It's like a shotgun shack. It used to be you had one long hallway and then a whole bunch of these little rooms. And you might not remember what stuff you left a room in, but you have to go search that whole room to go find it. You no longer have to go, what app is that in? You still want the app. You still want the functionality. But now it starts with the content, if you like, the data. So you know what I'm saying? So like, if you've got it in different text files in different places, it's going to find it as long as that app has exposed that information through Spotlight. So it's pretty dynamite. Also a great reason to keep a good password on your phone, I have to say. Oh, yeah. The, the security by obscurity is not what it used to be. It's, you know, <laughs> probably pretty easy to search for a password or something like that and have it pop up. Um, but anyhow, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 that's what I would do. What, do you, what are you leaning toward? The notes option? Yeah, the notes. I have just I love notes. And, you know, I don't like, I, I'm not that superstitious. I don't want to jinx anything, though. But like iCloud syncing, especially in the regard of notes, has been really, really great. And with me using the iPad Air 2 that I have as like 
a primary device. It has not like, and I'm not trying to make it replace my desktop machine that I work at many hours a day doing code and proposals and other things. I want it to be anytime I'm not doing code or proposals or editing a podcast, like I'm trying, I'm using it and it's made things much, much easier. And it's caused me to sort of simplify a lot of these processes that I've, I've developed that were unskillful. And one of those is like something like this. And I'm definitely leaning toward doing all of this with notes. I think it makes the most sense for me to, to use that because of the syncing and because it is on all the Macs and all the devices that I own. And I really, really dig that. I really like that. Oh, and, yeah. and the integration is only going to get more. It's only going to increase. You know, I remember coming yeah. away from that last Apple keynote and and the thing that really stuck with me that was like I was the most excited about was like notes, you know, like that's the thing that really seems like it's that missing app, the missing app for me. It might just be that. Yes. So a couple, a couple, I totally agree. Here's a couple of provisos. Uh, this is the karma suck part is, you know, um, you do need to convert. So if you've been on Yosemite and earlier, I think this is accurate. When you go to LCAP, you need to convert to the new format for yes, notes. Yes. Which means, now be ready, like this is one of those iCloud Drive type situations. You know, make sure you know what you're getting into. If you have entirely, totally up-to-date modern devices, I feel like you can do that pretty safely. But for example, my laptop running Yosemite doesn't see notes that have been converted to the new format. So keep right. that in mind. That, that's one karma suck part. Other karma suck part is that what I'm about to describe is available everywhere in iOS 9. And in Safari, and I'm guessing probably the Finder, Apple products on OS X. But the ability to add to a note, like I really don't miss this tip. Like this is giant. So I got, my kid's got a birthday coming up. So that means, you know, if I see something on Amazon or I see something at Target or whatever, we're at Target and she goes, oh, I really want this, uh, this mouse that you rub and it does mouse things. Okay, I take a photo of that and then I can add that photo to a note. So inside, I'm, I'm in the Photos app looking at that photo. I hit the little share dingus and one of the things that pops, pops up says notes, right? You see the little yellow and white. You click on notes and now it's going to prompt you, what note do you want to add this to or do you want to create a new note? Really, really internalize this. Because if you go and you select, you know, child birthday list, it will now add a card. In that case, it'll add the photo to that page. You could add, and when I say a card, you know, like a Twitter card. Like if you are, if you're on a web page, if I'm on the Amazon page for something, I can, and if I'm, even if I'm in Safari for OS 10, I can add that to that note and it's synced everywhere. Right? So I, that might sound like crazy talk, but try this anywhere inside pretty much any Apple app. And I guess increasingly other apps too. Yeah, I think probably this works almost anywhere. If you're on a, a page for stuff, remember you can send that stuff somewhere. You can make it, you can append that to a note or create a new note, which is now synced everywhere. And remember, you can also add a reminder. So like in this case, I'm on the Wikipedia page for the song Maps by Yeah, Yeah, Yes. So I'm in Safari on LCAP. I hit the share button. I hit reminders. Oh man, that's so cool. And now I've got a reminder that links to that page. So whether I'm on iPhone, iPad, Mac, anywhere, I have that reminder now. I can set a date and a place for that. And then when it pops up, all I do is click on the Safari icon and it takes me to that page. This is giant. Really internalize this. Reminders and notes, the ability to add to those from everywhere is going to get huge. I love this. I'm making some notes while you're talking on all of the, I mean, I think this is something that 
when you know if we take a step back and we we're like i realize that we're like two grown men getting excited about these little features and these little things anything that makes our life easier and we have to deal you know like we were as human beings we were kind of intended to think about one thing at a time and we're supposed to look at like my wife was telling me about this study that was done of how like looking at another person's face creates some kind of positive endorphin thing and you know, like we're meant to be outside walking and like surrounded by people whose faces we like looking at. And, and we spend so much time staring at these blue screens and like any of these things that you're describing that make our life easier, that make it more pleasurable to interface with machines. I just, I love this. You know what I mean? And putting mm-hmm. it, really putting it into practice, it, it takes energy. But once you do it, like there's, you really notice a difference. Well, yeah. And I mean, not to sound defensive, but there's a certain kind of nerdiness that is more in the vein of the life hacky. Like this is something seemingly improbable or impossible that I managed to make that kind of mostly works sometimes. And it's really clever. Like that, that, that's a certain kind of geekery nerdery that I think we all like, like in some ways. Right. Um, This is very different. This is, this is, these are stock features on the world's, the world's most successful electronic device. Like these will work anywhere you go. And I mean, like I said before, um, to me, iOS 8, the biggest improvement in iOS 8 was the addition of those extensions. So things like having one password everywhere is, is amazing. But now taking that to the next level with what you can do to have these apps interact in a, in a secure behind-the-scenes way, it does not require geekery and nerdery. Like anybody can be using this. It's not fussy. Right. To be able to pick up your phone, speak into your phone, and have it add a reminder or add a note is bananas. Like remind me about this web page when I arrive at the office tomorrow. And now when you arrive at the office tomorrow, a thing is going to pop up and say, here's that webpage you wanted me to remind you about. It's, it's tremendous. Um, you, Bre- you, we want to talk about your email. Yes, yes. Did you want to tell me about one last thing that you like? Our final, our final one. It's Squarespace, the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. I have been using Squarespace for so many years. It's, you know, at the end of the day, we've been, we're just sitting here all day. We're talking about making stuff simple. A lot of the time, you just want to make a simple, straightforward website, but you want it to look great. You want it to work in every browser. You want it. You want to be able to sell T-shirts and mugs. You want to be able to, I don't know, you know, just blog sometimes, or put the menu of your restaurant up, or put pictures of your engagement up, or if you're banned, you want to upload your MP3s and have a really cool player. Like all the things you want to do on the web. They make it super simple and easy and straightforward to do it. And they make it just like a men in black. They make this look good. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to run with that. I'm just an idea guy. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. Start your free trial. And uh, you can get this down to eight bucks a month. And you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. No credit card required. All of this happening at squarespace.com slash back to work. Squarespace.com slash back to work. When you're there and you're signing up with your first purchase, you're going to save 10% using the code, it's your show. It's your show. So go to squarespace.com slash back to work to support, and it's your show to save 10% off your first purchase. Build it beautiful, Squarespace. Go there, check it out. Build it beautiful. Build it beautiful. It's all about the comma. My mom taught me that. She's a retired English professor. That was all about the base. Different, uh, yes. Mm. A different, different thing. Not my board. <laughs> so I te- take away his pillow take away his shoes take away his bird 
Uh, tell me about your uh, email workflow. I uh, you got a workflow. I do now because for so long I had a, a major email thing, and I relate it back to what happened because of Steve in 2007. And what Steve did in 2007 is he came out with this iPhone. Is this the Minecraft guy or Steve Jobs? Steve Jobs. All oh, right. I mean, I call him Steve. Steve. And he came out with this phone and he's like, here, use this. I said, all right, fine. For you, for you, I'll try it, Steve. I'll try You know, this doesn't look like something I'm going to like, but whatever. I'll, you know, it's a favor. And so I started using this thing. And what happens when you use it is you're out there, you're at, we call it in the field, you're working mm. and you get an email. Your phone says you have an email. So you open the email app and you tap. And the email's up. And you're like, okay, fine. I read this. And that happens 5, 10, 20 times while you're in the field. When you get back to the office, you sit down in front of your computer. 10 emails are there marked as new. You go and you read them. You do stuff with them. Meanwhile, the other 10 or 15 emails that came in while you're in the field, maybe you remember to get to them. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's bad enough that you've got these new 10 emails. You can barely get through them. Maybe you don't even get through all of them. Then you're out again. You Maybe you're home. Then another five, 10 emails come in. You read those, but you don't necessarily act on them because you can't cut and paste on your phone, right? You can't, there's a lot of things you can't do on your phone. Well, gradually those things get easier, but still I had built up this habit of reading email. And if the email wasn't super critical, like, oh my gosh, a server is down or, oh, this sponsor needs a proposal by this time, or a friend is reaching out saying something or asking something, there were a lot of emails that got left behind this overflow effect of me not being able to get to respond to the emails. And also in my mind, I had read them. So perhaps part of the action was deleted, but I had this, this incorrect belief that even though I've read them, I might still want to do something or refer back to them or do something with them later. So I wouldn't delete them because I would still want to act upon them in some way, even if acting upon them meant I will read it again later and delete it later. But that never seemed to happen. So Years and years went by and I just kept, uh, the email inbox kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And now, although I was only receiving a, what I would call a manageable amount of email, email that's reasonable to read and reply to and act upon, I still had this baggage of thousands, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of emails, wait, literally unique emails waiting mm. for me that I was never really going to get to, but yet I had, in my mind, I still felt like I wanted to and I still felt like I needed to. But how relevant is the email, somebody asking me for something or telling me about something from six months ago or three months ago? Realistically, nothing in those emails is still relevant or is still important. I've probably missed the boat on them. I've missed whatever opportunity was there. And even getting back to somebody at this late stage of the game, it's... I've already let them down. In other words, if they were expecting a response, I've already failed and not right. gotten back to them. So carrying these things around, every time I would look at my email, there, there, I would feel stressed out about it. I was feeling actual stress about it. And I found that I was trying to almost do getting into this email avoidance mode. And it wasn't like I was kidding myself saying, oh, I'm going to get to no emails at all. It was just, I don't even want to look at the email. And yet I'm still doing this terrible habit of like, read it, uh, market is red and never get back to it. And I said, this has to end. So I texted you and I, I told you my situation in brief. And I said, I think I want to 
do the thing where I just say, you know what, everything before August or September, it's, I'm just going to archive it, not delete it. Right. But you archive stuff. So I'm just Uh going to archive it and yeah. And, 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 and say goodbye to it. And I was very hesitant about it. And you said, listen, man, like, I can't tell you what to do, but you know, if you, if you're realistically not going to get to it, be honest with yourself about it. And I, I did it. I got rid of all of it. And then I went through and I responded to everything that was there within the last 30 days and started fresh. And that was a hugely liberating thing, even though I felt disappointed and I felt bad about the fact that I was never going to get back to those people or those emails or whatever. I was just, I felt good because I was being realistic about that and admitting it to myself. It's like an AA thing, right? Like you have to admit that you're, it's beyond your control in a way. Yeah. And, and so like I did that and it felt, I felt bad, but at the same time I, I felt good because now I can answer all the new ones. I can move forward and like, here's this new path that I can be on where I can get back to people and I can be responsible about uh, managing this influx of email, which is reasonable and being better about replying to people. But then I realized that I needed to come up with a better workflow for what to do and how to act upon those different emails like as they come in. And I need to just be diligent about it. I need to be diligent that if I'm in the field and I read an email, that I need to either delete it right away or if it's something I need to do and I can't do it right then, then mark it as unread and then it will stay unread. And then when I am there at the desk or in that email processing mode that, okay, somebody asked me to do something. Well, that means I either, and this is all Merlin stuff that you can explain so much better than me, but you know, it, it then becomes an item on my to-do list or it becomes a reply that I will write right then, or it becomes something I put on into Trello because it's a, it's something I need to add to a larger project that I'm using Trello to manage, or it's a note for an upcoming show or whatever it is. But like each of those things now has a place. There is an action that I can look at an email and instantaneously know, okay, this is what I need to do to this email. And if I'm not prepared to do that right then, then I don't even read email. Wow. Fundamental change. change, huge change for me. Oh, it's a giant change. And you feel, feel some of the weight lifted. Yeah, a ton of it. And like now I look forward to reading email the way that I used to a long time ago because it's all, it's all managed out, you know, like, and I had always been on top of it for what I would call the work related aspect of this, like whether it was doing sponsors or talking to a host about a show or whatever, something like work related that was on top of it. But anything that fell slightly outside of that, like listener email or personal email or all of these things, that was what had really become bogged down by it. And it was starting to have a carryover effect into the work email stuff, too. So it was really a detriment. Um, but having like having that knowledge that I know how to handle any of these three or four different cases of an email coming in, um, like that gives me a degree of confidence that I can actually process email and go through it and not get bogged down by it. Well, congratulations. That's a, it's a a wonderful feeling. Um, and like, can I just mention a note on the psychology of this? Yeah, please help. So this is not a tech thing. This is a more, you know, uh, a more of a soul thing, right? Um, (laughs) you know, just to, to go back to first principles, the reason email is difficult is not because it's email. It's because email is made of people. If it was really just zeros and ones and bits and bytes and that sort of thing, it wouldn't be a problem. I mean, you know, we don't feel guilty about throwing away old JPEGs. 
we don't feel bad about archiving old PDFs. We don't feel like we're letting a friend down by just removing that from our computer. Email is very different because on the one hand, there's what we can guess people want us to do. There's what we know people want us to do, but we don't like disappointing people. And there's just a, it's just so impossibly tangled. I can't really even get a simple handle on this, but um, I mean, in some ways, procrastination is a life sentence. It's like once you've decided that you're a bad person and you're putting things off and you haven't died yet, there's no reason to ever stop procrastinating. You might as well do it forever. Yes, right. But, But the problem is that you're not actually doing yourself any favors with that. And as much as you think feeling bad is helping, it's not actually helping anybody else either. If you're going to answer, if you're going to answer the damn email, answer the damn email. And if you're not going to get rid of it, how, show me a middle ground where that makes sense. Show me an email that you got three to six months ago that is still hanging around and you have an answer to show me the day when you're going to respond to that email. Right. If you got one of those, you're a crazy person. Right. If you got 50 of those, wow, really? Like you're, you're an adult. thousands of those. Exactly. Because procrastination is a life sentence because now you're not allowed to feel good again. You are, you are sent, you're sentencing yourself in the most caustic of ways where you're not only not allowed to ever feel neutral again, you're certainly never allowed to feel good again for the rest of your life. You have to feel, feel terrible because you'll always be behind and there's nothing you can do about it. And, and somehow we feel in this really dumb American white guy way that carrying that burden of feeling like a dick is actually improving the situation. <laughs> and it's not. And so, you know, I, I hate to invoke the dreaded inbox zero phrase, but, you know, at, when I'm done at the end of any session, there's no email in my inbox. That might mean I punted it to next week. It might mean that I punted it till tomorrow. It could be that I just knew right then that I wasn't going to do anything about it and I just archived it. Do I feel great about that? You bet your ass I don't. I feel terrible about that. But I can either feel terrible about that and keep doing what I do, or I can feel terrible about that and keep being terrible at it. Right? So like stop digging. That's the thing. And like there's all kinds of stuff where like if I have punted it, I've heard lots of people talk about this. I have certainly talked about this a lot. With an app like Mailbox or uh, Spark or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's easy enough to punt an email to tomorrow or next week or next month or whenever, which is a fantastic thing to be able to do that's easy to abuse. So on the one hand, there are ways to do that effectively. The most effective way would be to do something with it and then archive it. That's the most effective thing, but you're not going to do that because you're you're not perfect, which is okay, right? So if you do kick it to, in my case, I'll frequently kick it to tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'll just swipe everything in my inbox, 11 emails in my inbox and say, bring them back tomorrow. So whatever, I think I've set for like 9 a.m. Boop, I got 11 emails. 11 red emails are back in the inbox. So what do I do? Well, obviously I'm not an idiot. I kick it again to tomorrow. I might do that depending on which emails those are. I might do that for a couple weeks. Right. But I do try to make a practice of at least every one to two weeks, which is, this is not great. I'm not proud of this. I'm not bragging about this. (laughs) But every one to two weeks, I go stop, go through these one at a time again read them one last time and you get one last shot. Either answer it now or you archive it. And you know what? If I were a really, really good human being, I would do one or the other for all of them and move on. I would respond to all of them like all the other idiots out there or I would delete all of them like all those careless people. But I don't. I go through again. I go, yeah, you know what? I will be on your podcast. Not right now, but like sometime. I would enjoy that. Or yeah, you know what? Uh, That's probably not for me. Or uh, I can't make it. Sorry, I'm responding late. Or I just archive it. But that, as horrible of a human being as I am, I have to periodically remind myself that I am the sole person who's in a position 
to give myself permission to not feel like a dick. And that's, I'm sorry, I'm cursing, but that's important. You've got to do that for yourself. Otherwise, just ask yourself, if you're procrastinating over something, ask yourself who it's helping. If I mean, they, when they needed that response last year, like who, who are you helping by having that sit around? And like in the meantime, that, that toxic sludge is just going to keep spreading through everything that you do. Now you don't feel good about doing anything because you have to keep, now it's your responsibility to wear that albatross to the wedding every week. You're supposed to feel bad for the rest of your life because you didn't respond to this one dingling email. So I don't know. It takes a lot of courage and a lot of uh, self-absorption to be able to say, you know what? I'm just going to move all these emails away. No, you don't have to call it email bankruptcy. You don't have to have an auto response. You have to do any of that. You just swipe it away. Somebody writes you again, you go, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't handle that well. Uh, and then you respond or you don't, but you move on. Like who can afford to stay stuck in an email that's several months old and have that affect everything else in your life? It's the worst. Life sentence, Dan. Life sentence. Life sentence. Textbook. Textbook. <laughs> um, and so uh, what else is spinning out of that? So now you're feeling less heavy yes. about dealing with email. Are you responding more quickly to things? In, yes, much more quickly. And I am able to do something that I wasn't able to do, which is also organized by thread, which is very useful. Uh, but I wasn't able to do that because there were so many emails in there that it was just like I couldn't sort through it. And I've also switched the view in Mail app on the Mac. I switched the view to not only organized by threads, but whatever the view that came out a couple iterations of OS X a go that looks more like what you see on your iPad or your iPhone where it has like the little uh, title and then the first two lines in a block instead of the traditional view, which is like one, I'm not doing a good job, the Eudora view, (laughs) if you will. Do you know what I'm talking about? So like I've been able to switch that. So I now have a more unified view to the email apps that I use. And I I am using Spark by Riedel on, uh, on iOS, but I'm still using the Mail app there as well. I'm, uh, you know, on, uh, on the iPad, I'm using mail app cause there is no, there is no spark. Oh, there is spark, but it's iPhone exploded. It looks really weird. Yeah. I don't, eh, I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's this, there's not really much excuse anymore. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes comforting to be able to come up with excuses for why we do what we do. And those excuses may be very real. But remember, like, you're the one who has to, like, come up with those and then maintain them, or you can just let them go. Just imagine you're, like, holding a little bird by its wings and you just let it go and it flies away. Just do that. Just let it go. Like, do the stuff that you can do and then, like, get over yourself. Like, you're not, you know, it's just, it's not like I'm being mean, but I want to snap people out of this idea that they're helping people by feeling terrible. Like, that's awful. You've got to stop doing that. Yeah. Um, we're running a little long. Can I give um, a, a new provisional piece of homework? This is not required homework. This is like, you know, reserve reading okay. or something. So here's my suggestion for this week. Last week, I suggested using Siri uh, a lot more. This week, I want to suggest having the presence of mind to whether you're on a page or in a text. You could be in Safari. You could be inside of a message. You could be inside of drafts. Start trying this. When it occurs to you, that you might want to do something about this in the future. In the same way that you would Instapaper something, get in the habit of either with Siri or using the extension, add those things to notes, add those things to reminders. The one, again, the, power, the one that's really powerful to me is remind me about this page tomorrow or remind me about this page when I leave the house today at four. Mm-hmm. That's very powerful. So that means that next time you leave your house or by four o'clock, your phone's going to pop up a message to go and look at that webpage. Start if that doesn't make sense, you haven't thought about it enough. 
but start spending some time with that, adding to a running list. Are there restaurants you want to try? Okay, well, now understand, you can go Google that. You could say, Ahoy Telephone, Google name of this restaurant. And then when it comes up, you could say, uh, add this page. I think you can say, add this page to notes, and then it'll prompt you. Anyway, just try this. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be the Siri way of doing things. You could keep typing like an animal, but like give it a try, because I think you're going to discover... Uh, there's no reason to forget things anymore. You don't have that excuse. You don't have a good reason to forget things anymore. And you don't have a good reason to fiddle anymore. Like if you like fiddling, fiddle. But fiddle towards something productive. Fiddle in workflow in order to make something you can now run on your goddamn wristwatch. How insane is that? There's a complication for workflows. So you can now run workflows right on your watch. How crazy is that? Mm. So try some of these things. Don't go down the rabbit hole, but start opening your mind to the idea that this is not a 2007 device anymore. And that there are new affordances that are going to make this a, a dynamite uh, future for all of us. Love it. Love it. Life sentence. Textbook. <laughs> Textbook. Mm. All right, we should button this up. I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man.